Welcome to Pressure Points. I'm Gene Munster. We have a special edition, a preview of Apple earnings, and they report Thursday night, February 1st. There is no single pressure point here. There's several topics. I will start with uh, what I believe is going to be the most compelling data point that I'm looking for is their annual update to the active device base. The last time they actually reported a number was back in February of 2023 on their earnings date. They don't commit to reporting this metric every every year, but I'm hopeful that they will give that metric. Uh, that number a year ago was over 2 billion active devices. Uh, that grew 11% from 2021. So we have the 2021 data, 22. We're looking to get 23 active base when they report this quarter. That's important because I think that is really the substance of what where the investment thesis on Apple is evolving. It was a device company, services, and now we're moving to this uh, consumer staples approach. And as the active install base grows, investors can be confident that you, know, you can have a good quarter or a bad quarter with the iPhone. But if you continue to grow that active base, eventually those upgrades are going to come they're going to find different ways to monetize that base with services. And so I'm optimistic uh, that we're going to see that number, but that is first and foremost on my mind. But of course, that's not what most people are going to be focusing on. It will be the overall business and the iPhone. So as far as the overall revenue for the quarter, the street's looking for just under 1% year-over-year growth. Now, recall when they reported their September quarter. This is early November. They printed that quarter. Uh, Luca, the CFO, gave some guidance that ended up having a negative impact on the stock. As soon as he said this, the stock traded down 5% in after hours trading. But he talked about the business trajectory uh, relative to 13 weeks in this December quarter versus 14 weeks in the year ago December quarter. And what that meant is that the street numbers were going to come down by 3, 4, 5%. And so those numbers gravitated to this 1% expectation that we have going into their earnings. Now, Luca did say at the time that on a quarter, on a week over week basis, that the December quarter was tracking up 7%. And so when you take a 14 week quarter, that's up 7%, and then you change that into a 13 week quarter, that changes the growth rate to like up five to six and a half percent somewhere in that range and again the street's looking for up one percent so i actually think that there is room for upside on the overall revenue number the margins the expectations th those numbers tend to be pretty high people are continuing to expect margin expansion but i think that the positive here is i do see a path to upside which kind of goes in the face of what has been some more concern it's rare that you see Apple have two downgrades before they report of the quarters. Those, of course, came at uh, the beginning of the year in the first few weeks of January. And the substance of those downgrades was concern about China. So we're going to uh, go into the second topic here, which is related to the iPhone and China and the impact. And so just very broad strokes here. Obviously, iPhone, just over half of the revenue. It's more as a percentage of revenue in the December quarter. But that concern about what happens related to China was one of the catalysts. There was the piece about the macro in China. And separately, this concern that the Chinese government is directing some of the government employees not to purchase iPhones. So we'll start with a macro piece. 
China in the September quarter was down 2.5% for Apple. And the data that IDC has come out with for the iPhone specifically in China in the December quarter was that it was down 2%. So I think that's probably a good benchmark to think about China being overall down a couple percent. Uh, and again, that's 20% of the total sales is going to be related to uh, China. 20% of iPhone sales are loosely going to be related to China. So uh, my by my math, I think that that China business will be down, call it 2%. Now, there's the added piece about what happens with this government. Uh, and the government direction, it's not a formal um, ruling or formal direction from Chinese leadership. It has been talked about, and I believe that it's kind of well known that the wink and the nod is that those government employees should not be buying iPhones. And if you look at the overall iPhone base and look at the number of government employees that uh, that are in China, and then you can overlay percent that get the uh, the highest end phones, it basically comes out to be about in any given year about three to five percent of iPhones come from that Chinese government worker. And so if that went to zero, that's going to be uh, a three to five percent hit to overall iPhones. And again, iPhone just over half a revenue, so about two and a half percent to overall revenue. Of course, it's not going to go to zero, but it may be a headwind. And I think that there's still some uh, uh, some uh, a lack of clarity in terms of how China ultimately plays out. I think it's going to be fine. But I think that in part, the overall iPhone number is going to be fine because I believe that the uh, outside of China, I think that the growth has been pretty good. We've heard from the U.S. carriers that they've seen a good upgrade cycle on iPhone 15. We usually hear that. We're glad to hear that uh, as well. Uh, one more piece I forgot to mention, too. There was also some concern in China about discounting. And I want to mention that it is typical that Apple runs short programs for discounting around Chinese New Year. And it's my understanding that these discounts were similar. They were doing discounting, but similar to previous uh, New Year discounting that was done. And so kind of putting all of this together, the streets looking for iPhone growth of 2.8% year over year in the December quarter. I think that's a good number. I think that uh, there may even be uh, room for a little bit of upside relative to that number. So just kind of moving down, looking at the, the next uh, line item, that being iPad, think of this as call it 10% of revenue. iPad's going to have a difficult quarter just based on what some of the product releases were a year ago. So the street is looking for iPad to be down 21%, really get hit pretty hard here. I think there's probably more room for upside given the expectations are really low there. Probably a little bit of room for upside. It's still going to be down meaningfully, but I don't think it's going to be down 21%. As far as the Mac business, again, call it 10% of revenue. Street's looking for the Mac to grow a couple percent. I don't have a strong view on how Mac plays out this quarter. And last is wearables. And uh, at least on the product side, on the wearables front, uh, this is coming up against a difficult comp because of some of the new watches that came out in fall of 2022. Specifically, the Ultra came out. Of course, there's the Ultra 2, but it was a pretty uh, small upgrade. So... Uh, there is a difficult comp there, and the street's looking for the wearable segment to be down 16%. I could see it being down a little bit more than uh, 16%, uh, so we'll see how that dynamic plays out. Uh, which gets us to services, and the street's looking for about 12.5% growth in services. 
I think we can see a little bit of upside in services that has been continues to show uh, surprising strength. I think we can see a little bit of upside in services. But the biggest thing that's going to be an important topic on the earnings call related to how to think and model about services. And so specifically, we have these new rules that are going to affect in March. So they've developers now have the ability to work with a new toolkit. This is related to how the App Store plays out. If we think about services overall, just over 20% of revenue, I believe the App Store is about 35% of the services revenue. So uh, you get some scope. It's not all services, but a big piece of services does come down to the App Store. And of course, there are these changes that are happening, and they're pretty significant. And Apple has uh, talked about them lowering their the take rate that they're going to be uh, charging developers that want to distribute their apps through third-party app stores. So you'll be allowed in Europe, starting in March, to download a third-party app store. And if you transact within that app store, Apple's going to take a lower fee. They will allow developers to continue to use the app store as is, but they're going to give the option to distribute some of those apps through the store. Now, it's a complicated topic. I should just do a whole podcast just on how the take rate is going to play out in Europe. But the bottom line is this, is that for the biggest developers, you could see the take rates going from 30 to 20% and from some of the smaller going from 15 to 10%. And there's this other caveat that whatever decision that the developers make, if they decide to go off platform, they're really not allowed back on platform. It gets, for technical reasons, it gets confusing. And so I think the net of this is, is there is going to be a headwind relative to the App Store business in Europe. If we think about that as a total percentage of the App Store, call that a third of the overall App Store revenue. So this is something that could impact how analysts start to model the services growth uh, going into 2025, basically. So as I mentioned, the street's looking for a 12.5% growth in December. For the March quarter, similar growth rates, 12.5%. And for full year 24 and 25, similar growth rates, 12%. So I could actually see a little bit of downside to that. And then, of course, there's the question about the whole steering and how Apple is, are they going to be allowed to charge the 27% for app developers that steer in the U.S.? And uh, there's an open-ended question there. So uh, there is more questions than typical going into Apple earnings starting with what's going on in China demand with the iPhone. Separate, we talked about the App Store. There is, of course, the blood oxygen sensor. Eventually, they'll find a, a workaround related to, to that. <coughs> I, I don't foresee that having a material impact <coughs> on the uh, 2024 results, but it is something that is in the category of a, a headwind in, in wearables in 2024. So you put all this together and come back to investors are looking at the December quarter to better understand what it means for the context of the business in the full year 24 and 25. And for the full year 24, the street's looking for 5% revenue growth. So it is looking for a little bit of a step up in revenue growth. I feel that that's ultimately going to be the right number. I don't see big upside to that number. The reason why I don't see big upside is we've got some of those variables related to what's going on with the App Store and uh, separately a little bit on the, uh, the wearables front. And then for 2026, the street's looking for similar growth, like five and a half. Excuse me, for 2025, similar growth, like five and a half percent. So, putting all of this together, 
I think that this is going to be a solid quarter for Apple. I think that their outlook is going to be optimistic. Uh, I think that they will uh, have talk about some of these headwinds, but say that they don't really expect some of these headwinds with the App Store, for example, to have a material impact on the business, at least in the March quarter. And so there is one other topic, one more thing, which is, of course, artificial intelligence. And we know that Apple has not said anything about AI in their prepared remarks in 2023. The only uh, mega cap company that has been mum on the topic, they do address artificial intelligence when it comes up in the Q&A. But as I think this is an opportunity where we're going to hear more of the prepared remarks from Apple. And the reason is that I think they're getting closer to coming out with a foundation model, their first foundation model. And uh, expect that to be announced at WWDC in June. And I've kind of had this working title of the model. It's codenamed Ajax. They'll call it Siri. Maybe Siri's brand isn't where they want it to be because it's kind of stuck in this single question, not more conversational and generative. So maybe they come out with a different name. That's neither here nor there. What's important is Apple has an opportunity to build a foundation model, and I think that they will get there. I think they'll get there this year. I think it's important because when we think about that point where we started from, about the active install base, when you think about these customers that have multiple devices and Apple being unique and kind of bringing them all together, the desire to have AI embedded not only just in how the products work but how we interact with them is going to be increasingly important to that base. And Apple has an opportunity. They've got great talent around AI an opportunity to do that. There are a number of white papers that they've written around AI has increased recently. So I think that that is uh, a clear opportunity uh, for them to say more. I do uh, believe that Apple's gonna have a great foundation model. I don't believe it will be the best foundation model because of how they're getting data and training data. I think that they're gonna really limit uh, a lot of the data that they have. They don't wanna use that because they don't want to compromise their brand around security and, and privacy. And so, but I do expect the model to be good enough where they can be a key player where we love their consumers, love their 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 AI uh, enabled, their personalized AI that I think that they can build into a lot of their products. So uh, of course, there's going to be some questions uh, lastly about Vision Pro, not expecting much this year along with most analysts. Uh, they're not going to give a number. It's going to be in the wearable segment. They probably did 500 million in the March quarter in terms of uh, Vision Pro revenue, so it's still relatively small. And I think what's most important is the number of apps that are available at release. It's got to be more than 50. Uh, I'm, I think if it's below 50, that's going to be a disappointment. If it's above 50, I think that's going to be a positive. There's rumors that it's going to be around 200. That's kind of uh, where people's uh, consensus is there. But this is the year for tech enthusiasts and developers to try Vision Pro, build those applications that get us more excited about using the product longer term. I am optimistic that eventually Vision Pro will be 15% of revenue. So a lot there. I'll be reporting back after earnings at, at what the pressure point was relative to the quarter. But uh, going into this, I think that Apple and its uh, the investment thesis will remain intact. On behalf of Pressure Points, I'm Gene. Bye for now.